Sports Conversation with James Navalins. Joining us today is Anthony Broom at the Wolverine on three uh, sports network covering all Michigan athletics. I appreciate you coming on, Anthony. Oh, of course. Thank you for thinking of me. Of course, of course. Um, so let's just, I, I love bringing on people, getting to know their background, their experiences. Um, just take me a little bit through your background. I, I saw, you know, NFL staff writing, uh, SB Nation, obviously a lot of the Michigan Wolverine stuff. So just take us through your background a little bit. Yeah. So I, like you said, uh, I previously covered the NFL. Uh, I uh, was on a couple teams when I did that. I was on the Minnesota Vikings. I did the Cincinnati Bengals. I did, uh, I was on Washington. And there was one other one I can't remember. Oh, uh, the Falcons. When they were, uh, that year they went to the Super Bowl. So um, didn't get to go, just just covered it. But that was kind of my first uh, job out of college, uh, which I went to Central Michigan University and was involved in some of the student radio and stuff there. And, and also like at the same time, got my feet wet doing the work that I did for SB Nation. So uh, I got my start with that SB Nation site covering Michigan. Um, it was a year, I think the year before Jim Harbaugh. And then when Harbaugh took over, I sort of transitioned into the, uh, I was the managing editor. I ran the site for uh, just about six, six and a half, seven years. Uh, the last few I spent there full time. So uh, from there, I transitioned into this role with on three at the Wolverine and yeah, it's, I've, I've wore a lot of hats early on. Uh, it's been kind of a breakneck kind of speed at which a lot of this stuff has moved, but it's, uh, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Can, can you take me real quick through that? Like grind? Cause I'm, I'm in the coaching industry. So it's very, obviously the sports industry as a whole, it's hard to break into, right? Like low pay, just got to get experience and then kind of build your way up through that. So I know coaching obviously like is emphasized a little bit more on that. Like, Oh, you got sacrifice all this. You got to move all over the country, but it's similar for, you know, you guys on the reporting side of it. So just take me through kind of, you know, those early leaner years and kind of just, obviously it's your passion. So in that sense, it's easy, but then there's obviously the reality of the, the financial component and all the, other stuff that comes with it. Just take me through that just a little bit. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I would say, especially if like any young people listen to this, like make money too. like find ways to supplement. Like it is when you're starting out, especially this, this is the only industry or one of the only ones where they say you quote unquote, have to pay your dues and work unpaid uh, or, or lowly paid and work long hours. Um, always like you have to find a way to supplement that income. Obviously. I mean, if you can, that's, that's obviously a, uh, you know, you got to take care of yourself financially too, no matter what your passions are. Uh, but for me, in terms of the grind and the journey and, and what it looked like from that perspective, it, it was, you know, you just have to be, for me, it was, you just have to position yourself. Um, you know, some people will say right place, right time, but I would say like, you just have to, you have to network, you have to position yourself in a spot where, hey, when something comes up down the line, this person I may run into or have an experience with like knows of knows of my work or knows of me or had a conversation with me and I you know didn't come off as a crazy person or anything like that. But it was a lot of, um, you know, and 
it's it's weird to even sit here and say it like time management was a big part of it and, and i'm still terrible at it but um you just have to position yourself and be willing to you have to be willing to put in the work first and foremost and you have to also network and be personable and it you know don't be a robot and all those types of things so for me like that was a big part of it is, is was just brushing shoulders with people who um, I respected in the industry, uh, being respectful. Um, also putting, you know, I mean, the work's got to be good too. That's, that's always kind of a prerequisite, but um, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess, stay ready. Uh, so you don't have to get ready would be the, the way I would sort of break that down. Absolutely. That's really good stuff. Um, just take me through your experiences of like, what are some of the best things you've covered? Obviously coming into this week, we have the Michigan Ohio state game, the game, um, 11 and 0, 11 and 0. Like this is why you kind of do what you do. You want to cover moments like that. So leading up to this, what are some of the best things that you've covered? Well, I've I've covered just about every single Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, actually, I haven't been to Columbus since that 2016 game, so the one that came down to the spot in overtime, uh, what have you. So, this will be my first trip down there since then. But uh, even just last year, I mean, going to cover a Big Ten championship game and you know being being part of those moments. Uh, you know, Michigan's a Michigan's won a lot of football games, but over the last 15 to 20 years haven't really had a ton of those program, you know, stands empty out onto the field type of moments. So that Ohio state game in Ann Arbor last year was, was one that I will always remember um, this year. I've crossed a couple more big 10 venues off the list, Iowa and Kinnick state Kinnick stadium was amazing. Uh, one of the best atmospheres for a game I've ever been around. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, in my previous life, I covered a super bowl week. Didn't actually cover the super bowl, but when the when that event was in Minneapolis, I was there throughout the week covering different kind of events and you know getting a lay of the land and just being part of the the spectacle leading up to that event uh, was something that will always stand out to me too. So you know I've I've been very lucky. Uh, there are I always say this is that you know in a lot of ways I've you know I've covered a couple of bowl games too. Uh, Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago uh, was supposed to go to the playoff last year and something else came up. But uh, I always tell people like I have been so lucky and I have been so fortunate to like there are there are people that quite frankly, I think are probably more talented than I am that are still, you know, doing, you know, covering high school games on a Friday night and maybe making meal money back in exchange for it. Um, I've been fortunate like I've I'll stop short of saying a lifetime of events that I've covered so far. But if you had told me I had been I would have been to the amount of things I've done before I turned 30, I just turned 30. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I said you'd be crazy, but I definitely would have uh, thought it was a bit, a bit of an ambitious, uh, ambitious expectation. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, You know, I've done a press box for an NFL game. I've covered uh, a you know, big 10 tournament in in Chicago and in, in Indianapolis. So it's uh, yeah, there's a lot I'd still like to do a lot of, sort of bucket list trips, what have you. But uh, I wouldn't, I, I, like I said, I'm just still so lucky and so overjoyed to do what I do. No, the gratitude that you're showing and expressing just through your experiences and recognizing like, 
yeah, everybody doesn't get to do this and experience all that. I think makes it even that more special because you're not you're not you're not taking it for granted. You know, every experience and you know being a coach and like talking to our players all the time. Like you want to kind of live in the moment and you know enjoy kind of it all because it all kind of goes by so fast. You know, and I I feel like you showing that gratitude and recognizing no like. I get to go to Columbus on Saturday and go watch this Michigan Ohio State game and cover it and recognizing how big of a deal that is. Uh, I think that just speaks to kind of your character and kind of just your well understanding of the magnitude of everything. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, I try let's to. Get... I try to. <laughs> sometimes people mm-hmm. will. Uh, sometimes people will be like, "Oh, you have such a cool job," and I'll just kind of be like, "Ah, oh, you know, it has its pitfalls too." But you know, I'm not sitting in a cubicle i'm not you know flipping hamburgers i'm i'm not you know shoveling gravel uh off the side of you know on the side of the road during you know so yeah i am very lucky so i try to put that in perspective for sure 100 percent uh let's get into the meat of this though obviously i'm i'm bringing you on because michigan ohio state the game the game of the week the game of the season of the college football season um we've had so just now covering Jim Harbaugh, you said you, you were there the year before he got there. Mm-hmm. What has been the evolution you feel like of the program? Obviously the biggest season games, 2016, 2018, last year, 2021. But what do you think the ev- biggest evolution has been over the time you've been covering him and the program? The biggest evolution is that, you know, just going back to when Brady Hoke was the head coach, calling a spade a spade that was just too big of a bite of an app of the apple for him uh he was in over his head uh that job the expectations of it the duties it's all it was all too big for him so the biggest thing that changes when you bring in a jim harbaugh is that you know he is such a big personality and he is such a you know he he's been around the game for so long coached in a super bowl there's nothing that i you can put on that guy's plate that that he can't handle and it was, it's been a struggle at times. Like those first six years, I mean, you, you hadn't beaten Ohio state had lost a few too many games to Michigan state had lost some winnable games in there. Hadn't won as an underdog. So, you know, talk about how there's nothing that he can't handle. And yet there was so much more meat left on the bone. But to me, the biggest change is just like the attention to detail. I think that's the biggest thing is that they, they don't, they just do so many little things. Well, that, you don't realize a team even does until you do have a coach that doesn't know what they're doing. And, you know, all of a sudden a guy just can't wrap up effectively on a tackle or a guy isn't, um, you know, just, just the little fundamental things that usually when coaches uh, towards the end of coaching regimes, uh, teams are lacking with, they had a bad COVID season in 2020, but other than that, Jim Harbaugh's teams are always fundamentally sound. I think they are, Typically well-prepared, very, very few times, especially in the last few years, have they come out of the, the locker room to start a game and you go, gosh, you know, I don't think this team's ready to play today. So I, they handle their business well. There's a uh, professionalism about them, the way they go about their business. And they don't, they always win the games that they're supposed to win. Very rarely have they ever, lo- like, they just don't, they don't lose to the, the Rutgers, the Maryland's, the Indiana's of the world. Um, you know, again, struggles against the bigger teams have are, are something that sort of defined the early part of that area of that era, I should say. But 
the ability to take care of business when you're expected to, I think that's the biggest change that I, that we've seen. No, it really, it really has been. Obviously, it's flipped. Um, how big of a deal do you think the coordinator changes have been? You know, well, over the years, yeah. Well, it's been huge. I think that as you can be as good of a, as good of a reply or, a, or as good as a, a head coach and, and builder of a program as you could possibly be. But every, every guy kind of goes into it knowing you're only going to be as successful as your assistant coaching staff is. And last year when you know, they decided to bring Jim Harbaugh back after the COVID season, it was a hard reset. I mean, there's, there's very, there's maybe one or two guys left in that building that were there you know, a couple years prior to that. So I think getting some fresh blood in there was good. Uh, I think when you look at the coordinators, what they've allowed them to do is to be more schematically flexible. You know, you're not going into a game saying, oh, we're just going to out physical them. And if, if someone exploits us, we're just going to double down on our identity. No, they're, they're pliable in, in what they do. They, they will mix up, especially defense. They'll mix up their coverages though. They'll, they'll send pressures from different areas on offense. They, they say that they'll take what a defense gives them. Uh, now they've still been extremely run heavy, but if you can't stop the run, then you know it'd be malpractice to not keep doing it. So, but I, I do think that there is uh, the biggest change has been a little more pliability. I mean, they they have their identity in that we're going to be be physical line of scrimmage. We're going to hammer you on both sides of the ball. But uh, I think that they also there's been an emphasis on hey, if things get thrown off script, we can make adjustments and and tinker with what we do so to me that's been the biggest change so far definitely definitely um so now let's get into the little bit more of the game itself against ohio state uh let's start with jj mccarthy you know they switch from Cade mcnamara thinking all right like a little bit more explosive a little bit more of a higher ceiling with mccarthy we saw last week against illinois when they had to rely on the passing game a little bit more it didn't uh, – now, missed opportunities, missed catches, um, and that sort of thing. But do you think this is a – this will be a defining moment for the J.J. McCarthy era as quarterback? Do you think he's ready kind of for the moment, especially with the injuries that have occurred to Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards? I don't know. If, I'd stop short of saying it's a defining moment, but it is one of those, like, legacy moments where, again, if you're – if your running backs are banged up, I just inherently that guy is going to, there's going to be a little more on his plate. And, you know, there has been, there have been plenty of missed, there have been a, way too many missed opportunities for bigger plays through the air. I mean, we're talking a, a deep ball that goes, you know, is just a fingertip length away or um, guys that drop passes that are easily catchable. There have been missed opportunities like that. And it, it all has to come together this week. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't miss on those opportunities. And I think the biggest thing is that, you know, when you go in and look at the numbers, people will say, oh, well, he's putting up the exact same numbers that Cade McNamara did. And yeah, when you look at the passing numbers, that's fine. And that's accurate, uh, an accurate assessment. But, uh, you know, JJ McCarthy is also able to kind of get on his high horse and scramble out of pressure. And I think that he can still be more of a factor in the QB run game. So when you look at, this run game being a bit depleted, you know, those are, those are the areas where, you know, maybe you see more of the bubble screens. Maybe you see more of the quick passes, uh, you know, that that's, he has to play the best game he's played all year. I mean, that's, 
simple as that. I mean, when you're, when you're going into a matchup with CJ Stroud, uh, you know, they're Ohio state's going to get their yards. They're going to get their points last year. I mean, you stopped it from being a track meet last year, but I don't know if that's going to be a thing that can happen two years in a row. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Um, you know, legacy game. Sure. Something that goes on his resume. Sure. But defining game. I, I mean, I guess that depends on how long he winds up uh, ultimately being Michigan's quarterback. I mean, we would think at, at the very least through next year and, and probably to be Frank, he'll be here. Um, through the 2024 season as well. We'll see, uh, but it's a great test to just see where where he's at and where this group is at. So you uh, have to find a way to keep it competitive, and if you keep it competitive, I think you have a pretty good shot to win this game. Do you have any feel on the status of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards? And then I'll throw in Schoonmaker as well, because obviously they rely on him as a, as a tight end position too. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't have anything on, on Blake Corum, uh, not even a gut feel. I mean, my, I, if I had to go with a gut feel, I think that he will find a way to play. If it is just a pain management thing, uh, I think that there is a shot that he could be good to go. Uh, but I think the other guys will be back. I, I don't think this Michigan is going to walk into this game as a complete mash unit, so, so to speak. I think that they will have enough guys back on the field to um, – you know, to feel good about their chances, especially on defense. I know Mike Morris missed last week's game. I expect him to be back. I expect Junior Colson to play. So, yeah, I mean, this time of year, everyone's banged up. Ohio State has injuries, too. So um, it's something that both teams are going to have to kind of work through in this game. But, you know, Corum's the biggest – you know, Corum's obviously the biggest one because that is, you know, so much of their identity is tied into what he's been able to do for them this year. And uh, if he's unable to go, that's – I mean, you'd, you'd take him on the field even at 80%, but if he's unable to go at all, that's that's going to be hurtful for them. Yes, mo- most definitely. Obviously, that run game is such a reliability and the staple of the Michigan offense. Let's flip sides of the ball. Marvin Harrison Jr., probably the best receiver in the country. Obviously, not even draft eligible at this point, so he'll be back for another year containing him obviously they have a a trio of receivers but he is the guy um how big of a factor is just containing him because honestly like you're not gonna stop him entirely right so containing him do you believe they have the ability to contain him on a consistent basis throughout Saturday's game I think they do because they were able to contain I mean if Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba playing or not playing could also affect this next statement but I saw Ohio State, they always just have five-star receiver, five-star receiver, five-star receiver. They're kind of a factory in that regard. But when I look at this team, you know, it's not it's not Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba like it was last year. So, But those guys will still be able to move the ball. That's what they're built to do. The key is just keeping them in front of you. And part of it, too, is that, you know, you have to take the big play away from Ohio State. That's what Michigan did really well in that game last year where, yeah, they got their yards that, you know, by the end of the game, CJ Stroud had thrown for almost 400 yards, but you were content in letting them go 9, 10, 11, 12 plays down the field. Um, and then you get down in the red zone, you, you shrink the field a little bit. Everything just gets a little bit tighter down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the concern would be, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. has as impressive a catch radius as any player uh, at his position in college football. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, they're not 50, 50 balls. When you throw them to him, they're probably closer to like 75, 25 balls. Uh, So yeah, Michigan's uh, 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they stop him. I think the, really the key is like, yeah, you'll let him have his 12, 15 catches if it comes down to that, but uh, you don't want to get beat over the top. So that's, that's to me, I think the biggest thing um, is, is making sure Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't beat you over the top. And also, uh, you know, on the flip side, taking, taking their run game away, making it less uh, effective. Cause if Ohio state can't be at least somewhat balanced, the, the, the numbers, you know, for as much, as there is a, a contrast in styles and historically always has been the not, it usually comes down to the team that runs the ball better. So the team that does that is, is going to be the one that winds up winning this game. And, and I think both are well-equipped to do it. I think both are also well-equipped to stop it, uh, especially if Michigan's missing one or, or God forbid, both of their, their star running backs. But to me, that's what it comes down to. So that's you. That's a perfect transition because I was going to ask you the keys uh, for this game. So outside of the running game and that side of the, the, you know, the line of scrimmage, what would you say outside of that is the biggest key for Michigan on offense? It's, you know, you have to hit on some of these, these deep passes, uh, you know, Ohio state, even whether quorums out there or not, they're going to, they're going to stack the box. They're going to want to take the run away from this Michigan team. Um, their offensive line can still block it, but you know, if you don't have the backs out there that have the same vision or cutback ability, it's, it's less effective. It just is. That's, that's how football works. So for me, it's, you know, when these opportunities to make plays through the air and you don't have to hit on all of them, but if you just hit on one on a third down that keeps a drive moving, that could be a game changer. That could be a drive changer. So for Michigan, that's the key on that side of the ball, and and on off or on defense, like I said before, uh, need to generate some pressure. I mean, C.J. Stroud is um, he's going to pick you apart if you just let him stand back there and do his taxes or make a sandwich or whatever it is. So they're going to have to find ways to, um, you know, load the line of scrimmage with with some of those extra guys. Uh, Ohio State's tackles have played really well. Um, yeah, it's going to take it's going to be an all hands on deck effort for Michigan, uh, but. They feel like they're well equipped to do that and, and we'll see what happens. But for me, it's, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta hit on the opportunities that present themselves and on both sides of the ball, really. I mean, you can't drop an interception on defense. You can't, uh, you know, on offense, you can't fumble the football when you're down in the red zone. Like it's the little things, the details. So um, the good news for Michigan is that I think it's, it's in the DNA of this group that they have to not let those opportunities slip away. So They've played their best football when their back has been most up against the wall. What would you say a win would mean for their program, for their trajectory? It's one thing, finally, you get them at home, you finally beat them. It's another thing, in a second consecutive year, you go on the road to Columbus, get a win, put yourself in position again, go to Big Ten title, go to college football playoff, and you know maybe this time they do – match up with a Georgia maybe a little bit better. Georgia's not as potent as they were a year ago, and maybe they finish the job and win a national championship. What do you think a win would mean for the program? Well, it it's, it legitimizes what you did last year against Ohio State, uh, first and foremost. I think there is still kind of this this narrative or thought process, at least down with you know Ohio State fans and, and in their circle that Last year was a fluke because, oh, God, it snowed. It didn't really snow. There was like a, a dusting of snow on the field at best. Um, but guys had the flu, and that was, you know, a fluke Ohio State team. Um, the biggest thing would be a reaffirmation that your formula against that team works. So to me, for, I mean, that's – and that's something that has 
a ripple effect on the recruiting trail. That is something that uh, has ripple effects, you know, nationally, um, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about having mo- true Michigan comes in this game with momentum in the series, but you're talking about a two game win streak, which hasn't happened in this series for Michigan in you know, at least 20 years. Uh, they haven't won in Columbus since the year 2000. So it is uh, for that, for that, it's everything. And, and call a spade a spade. Like you win this game, you're winning the big 10 because whoever gets thrown at you next weekend will be, um, basically be cannon fodder from the big 10 West. So yeah, I, you know, Michigan, I said this coming off last year that what they did didn't have to be a one year wonder or, and that this could be sustainable and that they have a nice little window to, you know, even if it doesn't work out this year, they'll be right back in the mix next year. So it's to me, it would just be a a, a reaffirmation, a doubling down that this Jim Harbaugh 2.0 era at Michigan is, can be what, you know, was promised in the first iteration is that you're in the conversation for big 10 titles for national titles. And to me, I mean, right now it's still just get in the playoff and, and see what happens from there. So but yeah, if you're able to to take care of your business, that's, I mean, that changes everything. So yeah, it's that, that would be what I would say. It's just a doubling down of, of what Jim Harbaugh has built and, and what the last two years have been for this program. Let's flip the script on that then. What if they lose and then scenario-wise, obviously their non-conference schedule has been much maligned for how weak it was. Obviously, they would need help. What do you think the odds of them getting into the playoffs still with a loss? Uh, I would still say it's probably about 50-50. I mean, you're going to need help from you know Georgia taking care of business over LSU and maybe Notre Dame. You have to root for Notre Dame to give you some help, which also um, – you know, would be tough to stomach for some Michigan fans, but Notre Dame beating USC. I mean, USC having just another loss somewhere in the next couple of weeks would be helpful. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, if they go out and they play the game of the century against Ohio state and just barely lose, I think there's a shot that they get in there, but um, I, I think the way that this is uh, the message to me is pretty clear. Like if Michigan wants in the playoff, they better beat Ohio State. If not, they're going to the Rose Bowl, which also, you know, okay, twist my arm. Well, what a terrible outcome that would be too. Uh, but for, in terms of what a loss would mean, I mean, it would be, I mean, th- this this game is everything for those guys. I mean, this is all off season, all year. It's built up to this. And, you know, the one thing that has been kind of a byproduct of what happens when they when they lose to Ohio State is that it usually turns into a bowl loss too. Um because for whatever reason, but you know, for them to have an opportunity to win 12 games again, I think would be massive Uh, playing in a Rose bowl where you probably would play against an Oregon or a USC or maybe even a Washington. Um, It's not a terrible consolation prize, but when you're, when you're a pro, like they want just, they just want so much more than that. They set four goals ahead of this year, beat Michigan state, beat Ohio state, win the big 10, win the national title. Uh, If you don't get this one, if you don't get this one on Saturday, you've you're you're one for four. Like it's just not it's it's not where you want to be. So yeah, I think that by hook or by crook, they they want to find a way to get this one done. And I still think even with the injuries, they have the ability to do so. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Um Anthony, I appreciate you coming on this. This is sports conversation. 
with James Navalance. I know you're super excited to get to Columbus to watch this uh, fantastic matchup. College Game Day is heading there as well. Um, I'm sure you're going to have a terrific time in that environment. And just this is what it's all built up to be. And this is why you do what you do. So uh, I'm excited for you to be, be there this time in Columbus. So thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoy doing things like this. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. Of course. I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.